You're listening to the world famous Chick Whisperer podcast. And now, here's your host, Scott McKay. All right, all right, here we go again with another episode of the world famous Chick Whisperer podcast. My name is Scott McKay coming at you from San Antonio, Texas. And today we're going to talk about a subject that I think everybody should deal with. I think everybody should think about this because the big problem is a lot of us don't think about it. And that's how to make a brilliant first impression. Now, if you're the kind of guy who gets waved off by women before you even get to approach them, then this may be something you want to think about. If you're the type of person that people look at and they look up and down and go, uh, I don't think so, then this may be something you want to think about. And if you're the kind of person that when you start talking and having conversations with people, they are looking for an escape route and you just immediately sense they're sort of just not listening to you, then you know it could be all about that first impression. With me today to help make this point, to help impress this point about making an impression to you. I have a new friend of mine. I'm actually going to meet her this coming weekend at something called the Elite Man Conference near Boston, Massachusetts. Her name is Kimberly Seltzer, but you can call her Kim. And she is a dating and makeover expert and a lot of fun. And she comes from Los Angeles. Kimberly, welcome. Thank you. Yes, you can absolutely call me Kim because I feel like we're friends now. Yeah, okay. Kimmy is what you're... Kimmy is... When you call me Kimmy, then you're like really in with me. Yeah. Well, I don't even call my wife Kimmy. But your wife's name isn't Kimmy. That's why I don't call her. <laughs> That's a good thing. I think she'd get a little mad. Well, I am really in with my wife, but I certainly don't call her Kimmy. Right. <laughs> Matter of fact, I try not to call her other names at inopportune moments, too. Yeah. I mean, so what's her nickname? Every like Everybody has a nickname. Well, actually, it's funny because her name is Emily. Right. But her name is actually Emily Sue, and all of her family calls her Susie. And I'm like the only person who calls her Emily at family get-together, so it sounds really weird. And interestingly enough, to me, she looks more like a Susie than an Emily. Mm -hmm. She just looks very Susie-ish to me. Susie-ish? But does she like that when you call her that? Oh, I don't call her Susie. I call her Emily. That's what she prefers. Right, but does she like Emily? When you call her Emily, she likes it. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's what her friends call her. Yeah. Your family knows you by who you were when you were like three. Right. And then you choose what you want to call yourself sometime around mid-elementary school and your family never gets the memo. Exactly. (laughs) So true. This is actually really a good way to kick off a first impressions conversation because, you know, when you uh, come into this world and you're an infant, people tell you what your name's going to be. You decide what that name's going to be later and people just don't ever stop. My mom still calls me John Scott. Because my name is John Scott McKay. Nobody calls me John Scott. Whenever somebody calls me John on the phone, it's beautiful because I know they're a telemarketer. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I can immediately start playing with them on the phone. Right. And start yelling things like, hey, you know, you might want to bury those bodies a little deeper in the backyard. Sorry, hold on a second. I'll be right back (laughs) when you're talking to them. Yeah, see, my middle name is used. It was only when they, like, my family was mad at me. So it would be Kimberly Bath. (laughs) Big Kimberly Bath. And I'm like, oh, God. So, like, if I ever hear Kimberly Bath, I think I would have, like, a PTSD response. (laughs) <laughs> Seriously, like I, it would kick me back to that little girl. But you're right, like to your point, the first impression thing. It's like 
what's in a name, right? What's in the way that you present yourself. There are associations with names. Don't you think that? Like, like if you had a bad, like, run in with somebody from your childhood and her name was Betsy, like you meet another Betsy and you have an association with that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Isn't it interesting how Americans name kids just for the sound of the name? There's no meaning behind the name in America. Like Everywhere else in the world. Oh, I don't know. Kids just name their kid Connor yeah. and Cooper <laughs> and <laughs> Bethany and Amber. And- right. Like they'll name it after celebrities too. Right. Well, I actually walked up to a dad whose kid races BMX with my kids and his kid's name is Cooper. Mm-hmm. And I said, so do you have like any barrel makers in your family or, or what? And he looked at me like, what in the shit are you talking about, man? I'm like, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to let that sleeping dog lie. You know, <laughs> Emily has a friend. Okay. And she's a registered Democrat and she has a kid named Reagan. Get out of here. I'm not making this up. That's stranger than fiction. Yeah. I'm like, if you're a Democrat, how come you named your kid Reagan? Well, I just like the sound of the name. I thought it was cute. Well, you know, Reagan was a, a Republican president in the 80s. She's like, huh, I guess so, huh? <laughs> like, I think I'll let that sleeping dog lie also, you know? Well, actually, <laughs> like, it's, I, I love what you just said because it's a good segue to what I was going to talk about. And, you know, when there's like an incongruent message with whether it's a name or what, what you wear on your body, like I was doing this virtual makeover with this guy and I'll explain what that is, but basically it's like a one hour video session and we were, um, you know, he was saying he, he he's this hardcore rock and roll guy, right? Like he's a musician and that's his business. He's a teacher of that. And when he showed up, he had this IZOD shirt on, like this golf shirt and pleated pants and like, and dockers. I'm like, I'm sorry, like you, you're a rock and roll guy. He's like, yeah, I don't understand why people don't get it. And like, to your point, it's like, okay, we got to work on your first impression. We got to work on this whole image that you're portraying because you realize rockers usually don't wear dockers. Like that's just not an association that we have. So we did, we totally like worked on his whole thing. We got him these like edgy clothes and these really cool thick rimmed glasses. And we even found a ring that had like an engraving of notes on it, like really subtly. So it was kind of his signature piece. I always believe people should have a signature piece and it like completely changed his life like people saw him differently he got career opportunities never thought he had and he didn't realize the power of his clothes and the associations you know i think if he were to start like a movement called rockers for dockers oh my god (laughs) it would be pretty sparsely populated i agree (laughs) rockers for dockers yeah i love it i might steal that yeah that's that's not gonna (laughs) gonna help you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like I walked into, I was out in field working with a guy and I walked into an IZOD store and I saw this cute little gal behind the counter and you know how timing's everything. I walked up to her, kind of looked sideways, like askance and looked back at her. I said, Hey, you know, do you have anything here that maybe has a alligator on it? And she just burst out laughing. <laughs> I know IZODs were so big in like the 80s. Remember? Yeah. I do. And that's why I don't ever want to see another alligator shirt on my physique ever again. Was it a bad time? Oh, it was tied all those seventh and eighth grade painful memories. Yeah, definitely. Do you want to talk about it? 
No, because I know you're a therapist. <laughs> and I know where this is going to lead me. It's going to lead me into a black hole, an abyss of just self-loathing. And I don't want to do that. I want to be happy-go-lucky and make a good first impression on you, Kimmy. Well, it's okay. I can talk about the days that I was referred to as Kimberly Beth. And you could talk about the eyes on shirts. I think it's only fair. But that could be another podcast. You're right. And then we could bore our audience stiffless in the whole process too, probably. I don't know. Unless, of course, they had the same problem. I was going to say, I think people would relate. I do. Well, let's talk about this then. Okay. Let's uh, do the therapist thing. Mm -hmm. I'll lie down on the couch and we'll talk about it. The whole first impression thing to me. Yes. Was something that I didn't always get. Now, here's where I was when I was a kid. I was a major approval seeker. Because I came from a family, my parents were good people. They still are, of course, and they mean well. But I was the oldest, and of course, you make all your mistakes on the oldest kid, right? And they wanted me to be wonderful and perfect and smart and amazing in every way. So, of course, when I was wonderful, smart, and amazing, that's what was expected. And then when I fell short of wonderful, amazing, or special in a good way, oh my goodness, we had to get this fixed. I had to be rushed off to a psychiatrist or I had to be taken to a doctor or I had to be therapized or something. Mm -hmm. We have to fix this B minus, you know. And I was also very overprotected. My first PG movie was when I was 11 years old and it was Star Wars. So, I mean, yeah, oh I'm gosh. 10, 11 years old. And I'm still needing to see like Sleeping Beauty and Aristocats. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, but mom, TV is worse than this, you know? Right. So that was something that led me to really needing someone to tell me I was good and that I was worthy and I was okay. And so I was a, a huge, terrible show off. Actually, I was a little short show off. And I, I really wanted people to notice me and give me praise. And mm. it was so interesting to me that – well, it wasn't interesting. It was downright depressing that that's not how you do that. You don't get praise by begging for it because people go, okay, well, this person's really needy. They really need praise. That means nobody's giving them praise, which means they must not deserve it. So I'm not going to give it to them either. Mm -hmm. So when you make a first impression like that from a position of neediness, it is amazing how people just don't give you the response you want. I think the whole crux of why first impressions are important is because we do want to be social. We do want people to like us, unless, of course, we're Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber or something, then we want to live out in the boonies somewhere. But Notwithstanding that, I think most of us as normal social human beings really want the approval of other people, yet some people seem to get it effortlessly and some people, well, they were like me when I was a kid trying to get it all the time. Where's the disconnect there, Kimberly? Yeah, that's a wonderful example. And, you know, and I think a lot of times people misconstrue, you know, first impressions with validation and it's not necessarily always that, but like Everything that you put on your body, how you present yourself to the messages you say from your clothes to how you speak, uh, your movement, um, what you say, it's all of that encompasses the first impression and it tells a story about who you are in the world, right? So it takes, okay, and this is just research talking. This isn't me. It takes 30 <laughs> seconds. Just, we won't just, hold you responsible. Right? Then. Yeah, no, because people think I'm this blonde from LA that I'm talking about image. And so they have an association like, see, see how we do this? See how we do this? So yeah, let's go with that. Everybody, if anybody sees my picture, I'm a blonde haired, blue eyed girl living in Los Angeles. Okay, so boom, what's the first association or thing that you think of? 
Barbie doll. Barbie doll, right. So then I have to validate myself and go on to say I have a master's from University of Chicago and I'm actually a Chicago girl. And so then people are like, oh, you know, so we all do this. It's human beings. And within a first impression, first of all, only takes 30 seconds to make a first impression. That's all you got. Well, they're saying it sooner now, but you know, that's the most consistent statistic that's there. Probably on Tinder, it's a lot quicker. <laughs> but <laughs> let's that's just priceless, right? Yeah. But we'll have to go with the thirty-second rule. Um, <laughs> Hold on a second. Hold on a second. This is beautiful. I love this conversation. This is really a good show. All yeah. Can you imagine someone who's such a victim of analysis paralysis yeah. that they actually spend thirty seconds per picture on Tinder? It's like, all right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, I mean. Well, maybe. I I mean, that's only five seconds in. I mean, can you imagine such a thing? I know. I know. Well, because, you know, when they did most of this research, Tinder didn't exist yet. So, and let's face it, you know, everything's getting faster and faster. And so things are just boom, instantly. So now within that 30 seconds, and this is what happens in the brain, we make judgments and assumptions based on two things and two things solely. Okay. This is it. The clothes that you wear and the attitude that you have. That's it. Now, see, this is why we're doing this over audio, so you can't be silently judging me while we're talking. <laughs> I've insulated myself. Yeah, but I'm seeing your picture on Skype, so I'm kind of, kind of judging. Um, well, you should, being that you're from L.A. We're sitting on the back of a pickup truck, my wife and I look in Texan. Yeah, so yeah. Judge away. I can handle it. No, I mean, and again, there's like an association with that. So like, okay, so looking at that picture, you guys are very casual. The attitude that you have is happiness, you know, relaxed. Um, You look like a happy couple. And the way that, you know, her arms are kind of leaned back and her feet are up, you know, she's barefoot. It's a very carefree. Mm -hmm. And she's a very open stance. So she's very trusting of you. And you're like, you know, you're both leaning into each other. So there's obviously a closeness. So the attitude, the body language is really like nice. Um, and you're very casual, you know, like just with the clothes. Now we'll dissect your clothes later on if you want me to, but I don't know if you want to go there. Uh, <laughs> well, that, but- <laughs> hold on now. That isn't how I would dress to go out to an evening formal or something. Right. But now that doesn't matter. Again, we're going into that first impression stage. If I don't know you and what you do for a living mm-hmm. or who you are in the world or what your personality is, there's an association with that picture of who you are and together and separate. So, you know, a lot of guys when, you know, I, I work with them and they're so worried about what to say to a woman and, you know, doing the right things and all that, that's not even as important as how you show up. And here's another statistic. 55% of the impression you make is based solely on your appearance. So you can literally increase your odds of dating success by 55% just by paying attention to the clothing you wear. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Cause you know, when I shop with guys and I love shopping with guys, by the way, they, um, cause you guys are all about effectiveness and efficiency. So if you knew an effective and an efficient way of making a first impression is getting clothes on your body that sends a certain message to women that you're a well-dressed man put together and successful, that will increase your chances of her wanting to say hi to you. Now, 
this isn't changing who you are. And I really take pride on being not like this cookie cutter stylist, even though I do live in LA. I'm knocking LA. I feel so bad. Like it's really actually lovely here. But um, there again, Except for the traffic. The traffic's bad, but you know what? There's bad traffic everywhere, and you just have to know like where to go and what to avoid. But you know, the thing is, is that I'm not about cookie cutter trends that you know that you must have. It's really about looking at your lifestyle, the body type that you have, and your physique, and what suits you, and even the colors that you wear. You know, is it flattering to your skin tone? And you know, there, there's a lot of like again associations with when you are well dressed. A woman looks at you differently. And I don't think guys even realize the power of that. It's funny. So I did this um, thing where I ambushed a bunch of people on the promenade here in Santa Monica. I live in Santa Monica. And um, I stopped and I interviewed, you know, people like, what makes your head turn? Because I was going to do like a little series on it. And do you know, every woman, it didn't matter which race, how old they were, the physique that they had, like everybody said the first thing came out of their mouth, a well-dressed man. They all said it. And so guys, remember this, and this is not to like freak you out, but you know, if you still are in acid wash jeans and pleated pants, you need to call me because there's something that really magical that can happen when you start putting things on your body that sends a different message. So you're talking about several things here. First of all, you're talking about being well-dressed. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that Emily and I talk about constantly is how people are just really frumpy nowadays. Yes. People don't put themselves together. I mean, you get on an airplane in the year 1955 and everybody's going to be in suits. Men all wore hats, you know, like in the Mad Men era, everybody wore a hat, you know. Right. It was really kind of cool, wasn't it? And women wore these dresses and these wonderful shoes. Nowadays, you go to the food store on Saturday morning and every woman's got her hair up in a ponytail and sweatpants on. And every guy's got cargo shorts and a t-shirt on and a ball cap, which you're probably going to crucify me for on our media pick, I'm sure. Oh, my God. I'm like, wait, you still wear that? I haven't seen that in a while. All right. We'll talk. Anyway. (laughs) No, I don't actually wear the cargo shorts. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I know. It's it's a different time. People don't seem to care about a first impression anymore, even. Mm -hmm. Like, we just stopped caring. What happened there? Or do people just don't realize how important it is? Well- You know what? I don't want to mix two things. And that is like first impression and not caring, you know, and again, like that could be used interchangeably. Like if there is somebody who just puts something on their body and they're not caring about how they look or present and their hair is unkempt and they have nose hair still falling out of their nose and you you know what I'm saying? And that to me is not caring, like not showering, not, you know, But there's some people who care, but may not necessarily know what looks good on them. And let's face it, we all are living a more casual lifestyle. More and more people are working from their home, more and more entrepreneurs. Like we don't have the formal corporate setting as we did back in the day. And it is just a more casual lifestyle. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to dress like a slob. Like you can dress casual and make a killer first impression. So I, I want to be clear about that because okay. people think, oh my God, she's going to put me in a suit to have a good first impression. <laughs> you are actually reading my mind because that's where I was going to go next with this. You've mentioned this theme a couple of times that I don't want to let 
kind of flow under the bridge without any elaboration because I think it's going to kind of lead guys to go, hey, wait, let's talk more about that a little bit. Yeah. You talk about how first impression isn't the same thing as trying to get approval or now you said it isn't the same thing as caring. And the first image that popped into my mind is if I'm a door kicker in Kandahar for the U.S. Marines, I don't need the guy's approval behind the door. But I am going to make one damn hell of a first impression. You see what I mean? So, yeah, I see the difference there. Now, not caring, your first impression may be this laissez-faire, devil-may-care kind of attitude. And you may want it to be that way because it may suit you well in a certain situation. So, yeah, I wanted to go ahead and make sure that we were head-checking each other on that. Am I on the right? You are 100% right. Yeah. 100%. There was this guy that I worked with, for instance, and he was a doctor, okay? And he he dressed he dressed well. I mean, you know, he had expensive clothes on, but the way he was presenting himself was not, first of all, a, a great and updated first impression, especially when it came to attracting women. Now, on top of it... He was attracted to women about 10 years younger than him, okay? So he's a good-looking guy. He has this beard, and he was wearing these clothes that were two sizes too big. His pants were pleated, and he had a little bit of belly. So when he would tuck in his clothes, it would accentuate the belly. Now, he didn't think he was dressing badly or making a bad first impression. It's just that the first impression he had wasn't a good one for him. And so he needed an update. And that's what we did. And we went out together and we we shopped till we dropped. And I taught him about slimmer pants, which a lot of guys freak out about at first, because especially in LA, they're like, I don't want to be Metro and I don't want to look like, you <laughs> skinny know, like jeans, skinny yeah. jeans. But the truth of the matter is when you wear clothes that are more fitted, you actually look slimmer and more polished. And so that's what we did. And believe it or not, and guys, if you haven't been shopping in a while, they have improved drastically, like the material of jeans. Guys are about comfort, too. They don't like things clinging to them and, you know, the friends down there. Uh, I, and I get that. But now there's like elasticity and soft cottons within a jean that even though when you look at it, it looks like it'd be uncomfortable, you put it on. It's really comfortable. And so guys right. are actually really surprised. And so that's what I did with this guy. And he walked around in the store and like girls' heads were turning. I'm like, do you see all the, do you see all the women looking at you? He's like, Kim, I cannot believe this. So because he started feeling better too, and this is to your point, there was a little bit of validation going on with getting looks from women, but then it also helped him with him feeling more confidence within. And he walked differently. His chest became like a little bit puffier. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? As he walked in. And then we worked on his body language and and the way he talked with women and all that. And he has a girlfriend now. I mean, it it was kind of catapulted him into a whole new era. And what we did is we got a leather jacket and some nice button downs that were more slim fitted. And it really made him look amazing because he was a good looking guy. Okay. So one of the things you mentioned there was this guy was interested in dating women 10 years younger than he is. Up to 10 years. Like he was not interested in his age or older. It was like he wanted like a younger vibe of a woman. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, there's nothing creepier than the 54-year-old guy on Match.com who's wearing an affliction shirt <laughs> and his Letterman jacket <laughs> from high school. Right. You know, and has an 18-year-old guy's Justin Bieber haircut 
because he wants to meet, according to his specifications, girls 18 to 25. Right. You know, and he's 53. I mean, there's nothing yeah. creepier than that. So what I usually tell guys in those situations is, hey, look, you want to look like a man who's not in denial about the age that he's in, the social milieu that he's in, but you want to dress with some style and look like you have some grace and some wherewithal in terms of what the world's doing right now and know what makes you look good and definitely project that young, fun, you know, I'm not dead yet vibe if you want to date younger women. Mm -hmm. That's what I tell guys. Yeah. It's good advice. And you know, I, and it goes along with what I say too. It's like what you put out is what you get back. It's amazing to me. These guys come to me and they say, you know, I want to attract, like there was this one guy, he wanted to attract an athletic girl with an athletic physique. And then when I saw him, he was overweight. He didn't exercise. And then he dressed like a slob. <laughs> and so he was wondering why he wasn't attracting those younger athletic women. So it's, you know, input output, <laughs> what you put out is what you, what you put back. It's the old adage, you know, like attracts like. So and that's not gender specific. No, that's not. There's fat, sloppy women who look terrible, who think they're going to go out and get some supermodel guy who's rich and wonderful. Oh my God, totally. Yeah. Actually, all the things that we're talking about really isn't gender specific. Let's be real. Like maybe it gets manifested a little bit differently, but you know, I don't know one guy who doesn't like a woman who looks put together and looks like she cares and likes how the clothes fit her body, right? So we may look at different things and for different reasons, but truth be told, we all are making judgments and assumptions just based on these things. And so that's why putting your best self out there, you know, you guys have to think of it like marketing. You know, oh, yeah, it, sure. it really, it's like self-marketing yourself. It's, it's not changing who you are, but it's getting a person to be attracted to you so that they get to know who you are. I use the um, example all the time. Like if you have two business packages, right? And one is uh, like in chicken scratch and a manila folder. And the other is nicely laminated inside is the same content. Which one are you going to pick? Well, I'll pick the one that's better put together every time. Right. Because our association and our impression is that that's the more professional one, even though the content was the same inside. People are no different. The rocker for dockers, right? Yeah, rocker for dockers. <laughs> I love that. That's sort of the same thing. The packaging didn't fit the contents. The marketing was wrong. Completely. It was an incongruent message and marketing of himself. So he wasn't getting career opportunities or the women that he wanted to attract because of what he was putting out there. Or probably even the social circle acceptance that he needed or wanted. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. To me, I think a huge part of style, a major element of it, if you will, if you want to use the GQ words, mm -hmm. an element of style is knowing how to attract the tribe you're trying to be a part of. Or yeah. knowing how to attract people who will resonate with you unto you. Now, for example, I'm a travel buff. My wife and I are world travelers. We like to go hiking and adventuring and so forth and so on, right? Mm -hmm. My next bucket list dream is to move to East Africa, start a safari company and be the guy in the Land Rover, a la Robert Redford in Out of Africa, only with a more substantial vehicle than he had. Oh, wow. I'd love to do that. That's, That's so my cool. Dream. I don't know if it would ever happen, but that's who I am. That would be me feeling incredibly comfortable in my own skin. Nice. 
So I'm also a motocrosser and a surfer and this, that, and the other. But I can't dress up like all of those things at the same time. So what I've done in building my style is if you really take a look at who I am and how I present myself, you can really figure out some things about me and what I'm into and what I like. You know, I have lots of accessories I've gotten all over the world. I like to get adventure gear from companies that don't sell in the United States and bring their stuff back, you know, this, that, and the other. Like I have a watch that I got from the Soviet Union in 1986 that is one of my favorite prize possessions. That's so cool. And you'll never know it until you, you know, look at it that it's all in Cyrillic and that it's weird and cool. See, I love stuff like that. And this is what I was talking about, like signature pieces, subtlety and things that speak to your personality. Like any guys who are listening and you want to, you know, just have like a good conversation piece and letting people know parts of your life is exactly what Scott is talking about. Having a cool watch because women, we notice that, oh my God, especially watches. I don't know what it is, but women love watches. I think. And shoes. And shoes. Why? Because it connotates success. Like when a guy wears a watch, we think he's successful. It's like the subliminal message. And so (laughs) it is. And I have this theory, right? So it's like we all make these kind of like quick judgments. And when guys look at a woman within that first 30 seconds, probably quicker on Tinder, the guy looks and says or thinks in his mind whether or not he wants to have sex with her, right? That's what makes it like a distinction between a sexual partner versus just a nice girl. Um, A woman will look at a man and she'll get sexually attracted to him. But the first thing is if he's put together that she'll associate him being successful. So men look at sex, women look at success in that first hit. And obviously everybody looks at everything later on, but it really is true. And it's very primal, you know, like a woman wants a guy to provide a protector, you know, if you think of the caveman and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a, a man's looking to procreate and, and, and provide for his woman. And so it, it is a primal thing that I think goes beyond maybe even our comprehension. So, well, some of that comes down to the primal role of masculinity and femininity and how they are the building blocks of sexual attraction themselves. Totally. Totally. Well, let me give you an example. I saw a piece from someone whose lifestyle was very different than mine. And he Mm -hmm. was talking about how to dress for success and how to look good. And it's funny how a lot of times when people who, you know, are, are mere dabblers in this craft, they're not experts in thinking about it on a regular basis like you are. It's amazing how their own personal biases can really creep into such an art. <laughs> yes. And he was like, whatever you do, don't put on this effing Timberland and North Face stuff and run around and fleece like you're some mountain climber. Nothing's grosser to women and going to make them roll their eyes. And I'm like, well, damn, that's how I dress every day of my life. <laughs> And I'm doing pretty well. And here you are happy with your wife. Exactly. Who dresses in, you know, adventure gear and basically runs around looking like a little pink terrier one every day. (laughs) You know, it's what are you trying to attract? All my friends wear cool adventure gear. And, you know, I have like a a dive watch, you know, with a Velcro band on it. And someone else is going to go, oh, my God, that's the goofiest thing I've ever seen in my life. But not to people I care about. Mm -hmm. And. I'm not trying to be someone I'm not. I don't go around in Nigel Tufnell rock star gear like your rocker for Dockers should. Right. You know, I, I would look like a, a Yahoo. Yeah. Like I don't run around in like Luke Casey cowboy boots and a 10 gallon hat because I would look like a double Yahoo. <laughs> double Yahoo. 
Well, no, and it's true. You know, look, there's di- everybody has different lifestyles. That's why I said in the beginning is that you have to really pay attention to a, many, many factors. And if you have a lifestyle such as yours, and it's very versatile, but it's a little more rugged, the key is then to look within your lifestyle and what is it that you're putting on your body? A, is it congruent with your lifestyle? B, is it fitting you well? Like, that's the thing I think most guys really don't pay attention enough to is that they're putting on stuff that fits their lifestyle, but it may not look good because it's not fitting their physique. And, you know, they're really, they're really kind of three body types for men. It's not as like complex with women. And I look at those three body types and then I teach men, you know, the various things that work with them. For instance, if you have like a little bit of a tummy, don't wear anything tucked in or pleated pants. It's just going to make your stomach look bigger. And plus, if you wear patterns around that area, it's going to widen you even more. And, and if you have a different kind of lifestyle where, like you said, Scott, you're like in an adventure type of lifestyle, but then you also have a business, right? So you have to look at your business image versus your lifestyle image. There's crossover for sure because part of your business is selling your lifestyle, right? That's right. So you have to look at all those components, but then you also have to see in the camera on top of it what is working well in the camera. So like there's certain rules about like for online dating, the camera can be your friend and it can be your enemy (laughs) depending on how you wear things. So if you're doing some dating online, you may be putting yourself out there in a way that's just not good marketing because you didn't know what looked good in the camera. So there's a lot of different you know, things to pay attention to. But again, it's not to confuse or overwhelm people because once you figure out what these things are, it actually becomes a lot easier. Like I teach guys what brands fit their body type so they don't have to keep going to the store. They can order online. They know Joe Jeans is their gene. Boom, they're done. It's just, it takes like anything, a little education in the beginning to really get to know it. And most guys actually end up liking it and they get into it and then all the women get to benefit from it. Yeah. You mentioned something about guys with bellies. Yeah. That is rough. Yeah. Because it seems like nothing's going to look good. If you tuck it in, it looks terrible. If you let it hang, you look like a pup tent walking. So what shirt should a guy wear if he's got a little bit of a belly he's trying to get rid of? Well, actually, if you get like a nice button down that's kind of slimmer cut and you wear it out, it can look quite nice and slimming. Um, If you wear lines that are more vertical, rather than horizontal. Horizontal Horizontal lines are the worst, yes. The worst. It'll widen you like nobody. And then the vertical actually slims you and it makes you appear taller. Um, Dressing in darker colors also will slim you. Uh Um, Avoid just like loud, loud patterns. Again, like plaids are the worst because they have like those square, like especially the big squares inside the plaid. If it's really loud like that, it'll widen you. And everything the past few years at casual stores for men has been plaid. Have you noticed that? They have. Plaid, like, I know. Came, made a comeback. It's awful. I know. And it's really tough. I know. And same with women. There's fashions right now that is just not flattering for so many women. And it's that's why I also teach people the difference between fashion and style. Style is something that's everlasting, which is you. And when you get key pieces that will last with you over time, that's key. Fashion are trends things that come and go. 
trends can be tough <laughs> on a lot of people. So that's why that, again, that's why I'm not a cookie cutter approach girl, because what looks good in the masses or like in the movies on celebrities don't necessarily look good on you or fits your lifestyle. So yeah, I mean, in terms of the shirt, and I just want to make a distinction when you wear something out, there's a difference, believe it or not, with the shirts that are supposed to be worn out. Um, there are ones that go all the way across, if you can imagine, like the hem, you know, on the line. If it goes all the way across, that is a dress shirt that's meant to be tucked in. If it has a little bit of scallop on the hip area where it like almost goes up like in a hill, that's meant to be worn out. So also look for that. Um, one line that I'll plug right now that really works well is John Vervados and Hugo Boss are great lines for a man who wants to get just like a nice dress shirt. And um, they tend to fit well in the midsection, you know, if, if you get the bigger ones. And then it'll still fit slimmer on the other areas. Johnston and Murphy too. Johnston and Murphy. Yeah, I don't work much with them. But yeah, I oh mean- Oh my gosh. Especially for guys in their 40s and 50s. It's just a really awesome style to have. You know, if you're a guy who's a little more mature and you still want to look kind of with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a big fan. They're known mostly for their shoes. Yeah, that's how I know. Mm-hmm. But their shirts are really cool. Mm-hmm. One of the lines that I've just discovered that's really cool in terms of like adventure wear that has some like Euro panache to it, believe it or not, is from the Swiss army maker Victorinox. They oh, have really? like these shirts that are like safari shirts and kind of like what Banana Republic used to be 30 years ago, mm-hmm. but they're really stylish and made of linen and they're well fitted. So it's not like you're just buying a safari shirt from Cabela's going out in the bush. You can actually have this style of being an adventure guy and still kind of look like you have some panache. That's nice. And, you know, guys who are athletic, and I think you could even get away with your lifestyle, Lululemon, believe it or not came out with some great man clothes <laughs> and they're some kind of more rugged button down. But what's nice about it is it, the material's breathable. It won't wrinkle. You can kind of, and that's really good for guys who don't want to worry about ironing. I know guys don't like to iron. And um, like, I think it even takes care of like sweat and odor. There's something that they have in it and there's like a lot of organic stuff that they made the materials out. So Merino wool is good for that. Merino wool is good. Yeah, that is good. For that particular property. Mm -hmm. Let's move on from clothing because time is short. Yes. Talk to me about how to pick the right sunglasses because I know that confounds a lot of guys because I go out and feel with guys and we go to stores and Mm -hmm. all these shopping areas always have sunglass stores and the girls who work in there are always cute and friendly and it's easy to shop for sunglasses and banter with women. And I've noticed almost universally guys have no idea how to choose sunglasses that flatter them. Yeah. And that's tough because, you know, it depends on the shape of your face. There's not really any hard rules other than, you know, go with somebody who knows something or, you know, if you want to get a really nice pair of glasses that look good, I definitely would recommend going to the higher end sunglass store rather than Target for just, you know, like a, <laughs> well, an, yeah. an easy fix. Um, because if you do get a good fit, It'll last a long time and something that's more timeless. Like Ray-Bans have come out with a lot of great styles that seem to work well on a lot of men. But again, it really is something that's personal to each person. Now, there's also, of course, more to making a first impression than just what you wear. Obviously, Mm -hmm. you're really high on this whole idea of being put together and being visually appealing to make a good first impression. But what about socially? How do we make Mm -hmm. the best first impression from a purely social perspective, Kim? 
Yeah. Well, like I said before, you know, the attitude that you have in your body language and also how you communicate are those three components that I think really I teach people how to, you know, put themselves out there in the best way possible. And the more you can get out of your head and more into the present and in your body overall is best, right? And so a lot of times guys will hear the word, well, just be more confident or just be more yeah, alpha. Right. I mean, like, what does that mean, right? <laughs> right. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Obviously, if they knew what that meant, they would do it. So I really break it down for people. And so if I see something that guys are doing that is throwing things off, I tell them. And so like, for instance, where you stand when you talk to somebody, if they're hesitating, it could be just how they're um, asking questions and they're not offering anything themselves. And it becomes this like interview between him and the woman rather than just, you know, kind of telling stories and having fun. It really is. And overall, I would say watch kids. Kids are the best, like maybe around four or five years old. They haven't developed filters yet, right? So like they want to go play with, like if Johnny wants to go play with Billy and the playground and he likes the shovel that he's using and wants to play with them, he doesn't stop himself and be like, oh, I better not go up to, yeah, you know what? He looks really busy. Maybe I'll wait till later. He's probably not going to like be into like playing with me anyway. No, he just goes up and says, hi, want to play? And that is, that really is the great way to just get out of your head. You go after you know, what you want. And it's fantastic. It's really interesting how you were talking about four-year-olds and how they'll just play with each other. When my four-year-old daughter has her friends around, they just run around the house chasing each other, giggling. It's really a damn shame that adults need about six or seven drinks before they do that at a party, huh? I know, right? I wish that were easier. Honestly, a lot of times, because I have an improv background, and so of mm-hmm. course I like make people get really goofy and fun and get that them into that play state so that they aren't thinking so much and that they are just thinking about, you know, having fun, not worrying about what the women think. And, you know, that is truly the magic. So without going too much into everything that I do, it really is being in a more childlike state where you're not hesitating. You're having a relaxed body language. You're asking questions, but also sharing things about yourself, telling stories. And the rest happens like magic. But the first impression is so important because you are setting the tone with how you're putting yourself out there your presentation and what you're saying for the rest of the relationship. So that's why I think this is so important because people think, you know, again, the LA girls talking about superficial things. It's not. And there's a lot of research that backs me up. So, okay. There were a couple of things you mentioned there that I heartily agree with. And I want to make sure these guys are crystal clear on them. Mm -hmm. First of all, you just hit the nail on the head when you talked about bringing out the playful, which is how I put it. Mm -hmm. This is magical when men are communicating with women. If you can help a woman feel at ease around you, you know, make her feel safe and comfortable in your presence, then you know that's the first impression that you're this provider and protector that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, is very key to how women define masculinity, which I talk about constantly. So what happens is when you, when you happen across a woman you like to talk to and you would like to make her acquaintance, a lot of guys are stone-faced and they're all inside their own head like you're talking about. They're so worried about messing up that they're tight. They're worried. 
they're flat out scared and they're a little awkward. And the woman's going to follow that lead and become scared and tight wadded and awkward herself. Right. But if you are lighter weight and you bring out the playful, if you encourage her to be more playful, I personally believe, and I've had this corroborated, that when you bring out the playful in a woman, that's a man leading in a masculine way to bring out something that's part of a woman's feminine nature. And it helps make her horny for that guy. Yeah. Playfulness equals horniness. So if you've got her giggling and playing and hitting you over the head with a pillow, I mean, it's on. It's so true. Yes. Yeah. The other thing, and you kind of did the hula hula around this, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it on the table. Mm -hmm. Warmth. Mm -hmm. Warmth, 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 warmth is what I have been just drilling into guys I've been teaching in field lately because everything's got to be so gunfighter serious. Mm -hmm. everything's like, well, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to get rejected. So I've got to go by the book. I've got to, you know, it's like they're trying to land an airplane on an aircraft carrier instead of just helping a woman have fun. Well, I know that might be easy to guys who've done it a million times, but for me, it'd be white knuckle (laughs) as hell. Right, right. So this is a white knuckle experience for most guys, you know? They should just loosen up and realize they're being their own worst enemy. What guys don't understand, and I want you to go ahead and try to define this maybe as kind of a denouement to this whole conversation. Mm -hmm. How can a guy be warm without feeling like he's losing his masculinity? Because, you know, we're supposed to be tough and like John Wayne and this, that, and the other, you know. And yet if we're supposed to be warm and we're supposed to bring out the playful, how do we combine those two features and still come off as masculine? How do we make that first impression? Yeah, that's great. I have two words that come to mind with that, and that is authenticity and vulnerability. And, you know, guys hear those words and they're like, oh, it's going to make me weak and not, you know, you know, actually, when you're vulnerable, you're real and And stronger. Yeah, we think that's sexy as hell. Because we are done with the pickup lines. We are done with, you know, trying to fit in what we like rather than what you want. And guess what? That's where the alpha comes in. When you are strong in your convictions, you're real with what is going on with you and who you are, that makes you strong and that's the alpha, right? So it kind of almost works together. But when you're trying to be something you're not or you're you're saying things to impress the girl rather than saying things that are coming from your heart and what you think and feel, that's the distinction. Anytime you're trying to help someone feel cooler, you're going to be cooler. You're going to make them feel more comfortable. You're going to succeed at that. When you're trying to protect your own stake in the game, you're just going to forfeit it. <laughs> yeah, it completely. Time. It's like, you know, when a guy does a does a line and it crashes yeah. and burns and and you can just see it on the woman's face and I you see it too when we're out in the in the battlefield if you will. And um, the dating <laughs> battlefield I call it. And and the aircraft see, carrier. Yeah, yeah. And, and it just bombs. And the thing that is different. So, let's say a guy says a bad thing, instead of covering it up and he keeps going, that's unauthentic guy, that's the tool. You know, that's where we are like, oh, dear Lord, and we want to run. But if a guy owns that, he says something and then he follows up and says, okay, well, that didn't go over well. I was just really trying to say hi. That's real. And boom, you just changed it right there because you're saying something that's from the heart, but you also, you weren't scared to say it. That's alpha. And you see that exact sequence in movies sometimes. 
or he's trying too hard, then he softens up and says, well, you know, I completely blew it and I messed up. And what I really wanted to do was just meet you. And then the girl falls in love with him. (laughs) I think I saw a movie recently where that exact same thing happened. I didn't even know that. I just kind of thought of that. (laughs) That's funny. I can't remember which one it was. But uh, yeah, I think that's really, really important. And the other thing I would add about warmth is, you know, you can smile with your eyes and be engaging with people without being a wuss. I mean, you're not disengaging. You're not being fearful. I mean, you can be socially forthright and still be authentic and real. And I think that part about smiling with your eyes and really caring about the person in front of you is independent of your masculinity or femininity. It just makes you a cool, more engaging, more interesting, more affable person which is what you want. Definitely. And a relaxed body too. Like I oh, think yeah. to your point, like the warmth in the eyes is like, there's almost like a relaxed type of feel in the eyes. And if you pair that with a relaxed body and you have like in your positioning, when you're talking to women, you're moving in a little bit closer and you're standing more like shoulder to shoulder rather than there's like 10 feet of space in between you. And I've seen that all the time, yeah. you know, where, and that causes more anxiety, you know, the social interaction action. When there's warmth in your body, warmth in your eyes, that's truly when it does happen. And for God's sakes, guys, don't sit there and stare at women in a corner like the creepy <laughs> eye. <laughs> it's the lack of hesitation. Like you see her, she looks like she's somebody cool that you want to meet. Just do it. As Nike says, just do it. And it'll help you get out of your head and into your heart. Yeah. The other thing is guys who hide behind their drink at a bar when they're talking to a woman, like their drink's going to protect them. So they hold their drink in front of them. Yeah. You know, if you just kind of like gesture with your drink, like you're Ron White on stage, you'll look a lot more, you know, (laughs) you get my point. Yes. All right. We need to tell these guys how to get that bundle from you that you're giving out called uh, how to make a brilliant first impression. What are these guys going to get from that? They're going to get a whole bundle full of stuff that's going to help them with that first impression. So I have a, um, you know, we talked a lot about, guys, you know, body types and um, different things that go into a first impressions. Well, I developed a man's fashion manifesto, as I call it, and it goes over top 10 styling tips. And um, it's a really cool, juicy ebook. And then I also have a wardrobe guide and how to put together outfits, which I know that secretly deep down guys do want to know that it's just that you guys don't talk about that in a Sunday afternoon and football. Um, Because when you know, how to be put together, it does make a difference. And um, when you have like different outfits for different occasions, I go into that as well and how to organize your closet. And finally, I have a body signal guide that will show you and help you determine if she's into you. And so there's different body signals that women actually put out so that you will know whether or not she's attracted to you. You know, what my favorite one of those is which one? Is she acting feminine? Mm, yeah. yeah. Unless feminine. she just can't help herself. You know, like she's mm-hmm. one of those women who's just hopelessly girly. Yeah. If she's acting feminine towards you, that's sexual interest. Yes. Is she behaving like a lover or a mommy? Yeah. I have what I call sergeant waitress. <laughs> oh, she's that's giving cute. you sergeant waitress, then, you know, she's not interested. It's like, okay, guys, here's your sodas. You can go to a Hooters and find sergeant waitresses turning into cute little sex kittens, depending on who they're waiting on. 
I love it. I love it. But, you know, it's not always the case. And this is why I coach women, too, is that some women don't know how to give that, you know, femininity approach. And so a girl may like you, but she doesn't know how to show it. And so that's where I come in. <laughs> Non-reactors. Yeah, they're they're very much in need of your services and our services because those women can be beautiful, gorgeous and have everything to offer but they just don't know how to level with a guy and let them know they're interested because either they've been told by their mamas that that's too forward and they're going to look slutty or maybe like you said, they just don't know how, but yeah, again, all this stuff isn't gender specific at all, is it? No, it really isn't. And it just kind of manifests itself in different ways in the different genders. I can't believe there's 7 billion ways to put the round stick in the round hole on this planet. I mm. mean, with all the dating problems and all the difficulties we have connecting as men and women, I just can't believe we got 7 billion of us. Can you imagine if this were easy? I know, right? It'd be like ants and flies around. <laughs> anyway, maybe that's why maybe God that's made it difficult. It's all a divine plan, isn't it? <laughs> totally. Natural selection. The divine intervention. <laughs> Go to www.thechickwhisperer.com front slash Kim, K-I-M. And uh, she's not a Korean dictator. She's Kimberly Seltzer. She's not Kim Il-sung. Soon to be Kimmy to you all. <laughs> like Kimmy Duncan. Kimmy. Thechickwhisper.com front slash Kim, K-I-M. There you will find how to get your hands on her bundle called How to Make a Brilliant First Impression. Hey, and this is good stuff. This is, this is what we all need, guys. Even I've been learning from this, believe it or not. So uh, – I really appreciate you dropping by, Kim. It's been a great conversation. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person this weekend. Yeah, me too. I can't wait to have a great first impression with you. <laughs> <laughs> and likewise. Yeah, we're going to be at the uh, Elite Man Conference that former co-host of this show, Justin Stenstrom, is holding in Plymouth, Mass. So uh, a bunch of our friends and probably future co-hosts of this show are going to be there too. So you'll be meeting more people from that. But again, uh, it's been a pleasure, Kimberly. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And guys, if you want to learn more about how to get better with women, how to get the right woman, the woman of your dreams, and actually have her like you back, among other things like being a great man, climbing the corporate ladder, having the lifestyle you want, go to the show notes page at www.thechickwhisper.com. You can find out what Kim looks like among all our other guests and read a little bit more about this show and have some links there, including how to get to Kim's bundle on how to make a brilliant first impression. And like I said, while you're there, sign up for that newsletter. I'm going to send you actionable tips every day. It won't be fluffy at all. I promise. All meat, all substance, no fluff. And until I talk to you again real soon, this is Scott McKay from San Antonio, Texas. Be good out there. The Chick Whisperer Podcast is by X and Y Communications. All rights reserved worldwide. Be sure to sign up for the X and Y Communications newsletter at www.thechickwhisperer.com. This is Ed Royola speaking for The Chick Whisperer Podcast.